Florida is a strange, strange place. Tourists often think of the long stretches of sunny beaches and glistening waters. But inland from the sparkle of the ocean lie miles and miles of mystery. Today we speak with a man who has had something haunt him in every single home he's ever lived in, in Florida. And after you hear Joe's stories, you can decide. Are these places haunted because they're in Florida? Or because the ghosts just really like Joe? Let's hear some stories today on Homespun Haints. Well, hello, Hainted Loves. Welcome to Homespun Haints. I'm Becky. And I'm Diana. And today on the show, we have a man who knows a lot of people we know. It's kind of Mm -hmm. neat how this whole paranormal community is very, very linked. We are going to be talking today with Joe, or as we know him, Joe Hunts Ghosts. (laughs) So we don't have to. Exactly. There you go. He's a paranormal researcher with War Party Paranormal. And he's also good buddies with some other people we've had on the show, like Carly of the Village Tarot Witch and Eric, Ghost Hunter of South Florida. We're very excited to bring on Joe. We love anybody from Florida. (laughs) So Diana, you texted me this morning. You're like, I have something I need to tell you. And I was like, I do have something I need to tell you. <laughs> so people could probably guess we we talk a lot. We text a lot, even when we're not recording. We're always texting about something. It's always like something random, too. But when she says, I have something, yeah. <laughs> I have something I need to tell you. I'm like, oh, this, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. <laughs> That's the thing. It's probably going to be awful. Don't say that. Because... Don't say that. <laughs> what happened? I'm such a nerd, and you're a nerd in the same way, (laughs) so I know you'll appreciate it, but everybody else is going to be like, (laughs) (laughs) but not me, not me. So I'm in the kitchen last night cooking, and I didn't know what I was going to cook. I had this packet of instant curry sauce. I didn't end up using the packet at all because the packet really didn't have any ingredients that would lend it to calling itself a curry. It didn't even really have any peppers in it, which was shocking. Was it just ground up pieces of Tim Curry? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I ended up just making my own recipe from scratch, which I will post if you'd like in the show notes. I'm kind of like... In my brain, I'm making curry, but I'm also kind of making some some stew because I burned the onions to the pan and started deglazing it just like you would with stew. So when you go to the Thai restaurant, you can order red curry, green curry, panang curry, and masaman curry, right? right? So it's like yellow curry, are, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yellow curry, but it's also more stew-like than the other curries, which are more fresh. It often has nuts. It often has beef. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I suddenly had a realization as I was cooking this food. You probably already know this, Becky. What is the etymology of the word musselman? Muscle man? Musselman. I don't know. <laughs> That's um, I've never is. thought about it before. Just like Penang, I've never thought of what's the etymology of Penang. Why? I don't speak Thai. Oh, yeah, I have. have. Yeah. No, it's, it's yeah, it's Putang. <laughs> Putang muscle man. Muscle man. Exactly. Macho man. Putang. Muscle okay. man. Yes. Yeah, so so <laughs> sorry, all of Thailand for this episode, but that might be the origin it's of the word. Absolutely not. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's just how I would remember him in my mind. <laughs> so, What's Masaman curry come from? Where does the I, etymology? I didn't know. I've never looked it up. I've never even thought of it. However, as I was cooking my chicken, I suddenly put together another linguistic download 
that I know from going to China and being in North China, where they had a restaurant called My Zaloon Noodle. I don't know the tones. I don't know the tones. Sorry. Sorry, all of China. The reason it's called My Zaloon Noodle is because a lot of the population there is Muslim. And so this restaurant doesn't serve any non-halal foods. Uh. They call it My Zaloon Noodle. Anyway, the deep, dark recesses of my brain from 2007 when I was last in China eating at Maizaloon noodles suddenly chimed in with Maizaloon is a transliteration of the word Muslim. Okay. So Masaman is like a Muslim curry? Yes. So traditionally, it would only be like halal meat that would be in a Masaman curry? Yes. It's the Thai imitation Persian food. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) I freaking died. I was so excited to have this realization. So I ended up making my own recipe. And this was amazing, Becky. It was so good. Glad you wrote it It down. It was so good. I I was trying to I was trying to meal prep for like multiple meals. We ate it all. We We couldn't stop. We loved it so much. Anyway, I just had to share that polyglot download with you because not many people understand, Becky. I'm also excited that there's a roly-poly on the floor in the kitchen and the cats are playing with it right now. So <laughs> entomology also excited for her. Entomology. Oh, you're right, Diana. We are both big fat nerds. <laughs> yep. I'm just wondering if roly-polies are halal. Do not eat it. Probably not. It counts as shellfish, wouldn't it? Yeah, actually, they're more closely related to lobsters than anything. Trilobites. Yeah, right? Terrestrial trilobites. They're terrestrial crustacean. Crustacean. And you're not supposed to eat crustaceans if you keep kosher or halal. Okay. I was just guessing there. I would not eat them if you're trying to stick to any sort of religious diet. Well, then, I I hope y'all got to enjoy nerding out as much as us over that. Right. If anybody is like, hey, that's cool. Let me know. <laughs> we could be good friends. Do you want to be friends with me and talk about this shit all day? Because <laughs> that's what I think about all day. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, I'm just glad we got to talk about how roly polies are actually crustaceans. I think that's so cool. I know. What a lobstrosity. <laughs> it's... it's uh... It's a fantastic thing. I love terrestrial arthropods. So delicious. Terrestrial crustacean arthropods. Right? Well, I can't wait to get your Musselman curry recipe. It sounds delightful. Oh my delightful. gosh, it's so good. Yeah. And you can make it with leftover steak mitts. So very easy. I love how you can just take anything. And you would be, I know this is like the last thing you would ever consider a compliment, but you would make an amazing Southern housewife. Because like, there's like this. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I'm leaving. <laughs> No, but there's every culture has its like ideals of what the woman should be or what a wife would be. And in the South, it's like if you're a woman and you can walk into a kitchen or a pantry or refrigerator that otherwise seems completely bare, like nothing but like a piece of moldy cheese and mustard. And you come out with a full fried chicken dinner and everyone's like, oh, my gosh, how did she do that? That's like considered like the the creme de la creme of femininity in the South. Whoa, that's actually one of my superpowers. Exactly. exactly. I thought most people could do that. No, Diana. I've actually thought about starting like a web service where people just like screenshot me what's in their fridge and their freezer. And they're like, I don't know what to fix for dinner. And I'm like, give me a half hour. (laughs) I'll send you back a recipe. I would buy into that. You would? I would totally buy into that. And you know, you know, a great place that you could advertise that service. 
right here on this podcast. Because, folks, <laughs> we haven't announced this yet, but you probably noticed that we have advertising now. And we are now going to be presenting to you hand-selected businesses that we believe in and that we love. And you're going to hear some host-read ads from us. And we would love it if you would check everybody you hear about from us out because they're all amazing businesses. We've hand-selected them. If you hear our voices, it's somebody we've chosen that we want to represent on this show. So please, please go check them out if you hear us talking about somebody that we love. <laughs> and also, if you are a business and you think that other hainted loves would be interested in what you have, please reach out to us at info at homespunhaints.com and we'll see what we can do for you. Yeah, even if you're just starting out a business. Exactly. Thinking about what would people pay for? Mm -hmm. Leftover recipes? <laughs> Question mark? <laughs> I don't know. Would people pay for that? I would. Totally would. Oh my gosh, it saved me so much stress. All right, you heard it here first. Diana's leftover corral. That's what we're calling it. <laughs> Hainted loves, before we get too off topic and too far down that transliteration etymological polyglot path, let's bring on Joe, who hunts ghosts. Hi, y bienvenidos to I Ghost Mio. I'm your host, Melissa. I Ghost Mio is a paranormal podcast exploring Latin American and Caribbean legends and lore. Here, we'll share each tale's origins and variations, as well as personal encounters. I got the idea for I Ghost Mio over 2020 as I felt moved to connect more to my Cuban heritage. The rituals and beliefs and superstitions that I grew up with played a huge role in my life, and this is my way of honoring that and honoring my ancestors. Stay tuned for a preview of Episode 2, Santeria Part 2. Ahora, poner café, and let's get spooky. Sensationalist headlines like these often harm already marginalized communities, especially religious communities that tend to be viewed as mysterious at best or devil worship at worst. Today, we're going to look at modern Lukumi practices. We'll explore initiation, sacred rites and rituals, and the legality of sacrifices. Thanks for listening. If you want to join us, please follow us on all social media at iGhostMio, A-Y-G-H-O-S-T-M-I-O. Ahora grab your cafecito y ponte tu asabache porque nos vamos. Today on the show, we have somebody who is very connected to a lot of people that we know. So it's very exciting to have Joe Torino of War Party Paranormal on the show with us. Joe has investigated with Eric of Ghost Hunters of South Florida. You also mentioned Erin Egnatz as well. Yes. She was on our show in the third season. She's an amazing storyteller. I'm sure there are some that I left out there, Joe. So please tell us more about some of the people that you work with and all of the cool things that you do. I thank you guys first and foremost for letting me join you guys. I'm really excited. Big fan of the show, actually. Oh, thank you. So getting to talk to you guys on it. I, I love it. Thank you so much. Yay. Oh, yeah. that makes us so happy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm part of a War Party Paranormal. We are the largest paranormal group in Florida. We have over 30 members. Between gear and, and expertise, we have members who've been investigators for over 40 years. We're very scientific, but 
We also have a lot of psychics, demonologists, you name it. We've got it pretty much on our team. And some people are actually spread out throughout the country, different states. So it's good. And, and, and I love doing this. I have a big shout out to my wife for allowing me to do it because she's not crazy <laughs> about it. So Katie, thank you very much for allowing me to follow my passions. <laughs> thank, thank you, Katie. Katie. <laughs> yes. And people can follow you on Instagram at well, they can follow War Party Paranormal at War Party Paranormal on Instagram. Right. And right. your personal Instagram is Joe Hunt's Ghosts. And right. we'll be sure we have links to that on our show notes. Do you have any other social ways that people can find out about you on social media or website? I'm on YouTube and Facebook at the same at Joe Hunt's Ghosts. And War Party is also on Facebook. We'll make sure that we share it with our group. Well, Joe, I know that you didn't just fall into paranormal investigation. You actually have quite a few stories growing up. And I would love to hear about your own paranormal experiences and sort of how that shaped who you are and led you to do the things that you do today. Absolutely. So I grew up in Miami Lakes area down south, South Florida. And uh, growing up, my parents bought this house. It wasn't too old. It was built in the late 70s, I want to say. The floor plan was, it was kind of every room connected to each other. It, it looked kind of like a donut, I would say, a square donut. So if you walked into the house, you had the Florida room and dining room. You walked to the left, a bathroom, my bedroom, my brother's bedroom. Then my brother's bedroom connected to the master bedroom, master bedroom connected to the living room and kitchen and, you know, all around. So you could pretty much do a circle around the entire house. My room was the very first room on the left as soon as you walked into the house. I was maybe six years old, seven years old. It was my first time having a big boy room and uh, I'm on my own and I have my I have my bunk beds and I'm excited to get to sleep in my own room, not with uh, my two little brothers at the time. They were they were they were tiny. So one night I'm laying in bed, I'm knocked out and something wakes me up. I don't remember if I heard something, I felt something, but something woke me up and I popped up and it was a kid's room. I had all my toys everywhere. I had uh, Nintendo and, you know, all that stuff. But in the corner of my room, my godfather had given me a gift of, you know, in the movie theaters, they have the big cardboard cutouts promoting the movies and all that. I had a Michael Keaton Batman standing. It was like seven feet tall. It was huge. It was awesome. Like I loved that thing. And then I was terrified of that thing. So I wake up because I hear something. My bedroom door's closed. I remember looking through the slats at the end of the bunk bed. And I look and don't hear anything. And then all of a sudden, Batman comes shooting at me from across the room falls on top of me and just freaks me out. I'm just screaming at that point. My parents come in. They're like, what did you do? I was like, I didn't do anything. I haven't gone out of bed. I still had my covers on me. I remember this vividly. And they were kind of pissed off because the Batman, like, you know, it was cardboard. So I like crushed, it got broken in half. And they were like, your godfather gave you this as a gift. And I was like, I didn't do anything. I, I'm laying in bed. It came at me and they thought I was, I was full of it. I was a little kid. But I refused after that to sleep in that room. So I decided I was going to move to the room next door with my brothers. My brothers had no choice, but they were going to bunk in with me. So they also had bunk beds in that room. They were maybe like four, three or four years old. So they had to share the bottom bunk and I took the top bunk. 
how that room was set up, the foot of the bed, it was to the door that led out to the hallway towards the front of the house. So we would sleep with the hall light on so that if we had to go to the bathroom, we could walk out and do our thing and not be afraid. But I remember climbing up the bunk bed, getting into to get under the sheets. And when I turn back and look, I'm looking down the hallway and all the way at the end is the dining room. And I saw there was a man sitting at the head of the table with the chair, like a three quarter turn. And he was just sitting. He had his he had an arm on the table. I got you know, I remember it like it was yesterday. Had his arm on the table, his other arm on his lap. And he would just sit there and just watch us down the hall. I remember that night was just covers over my head and I was done. I was like, okay, wasn't going to cause a scene. <laughs> I didn't want to hear from my parents. But this went on multiple nights a week for months. And we lived in a house for, I want to say another five or six years. This went on, on and off throughout the years for as long as I can remember. We move out of the house years later and I'm having a talk with my mom and we're talking about the old house. And I was like, yeah, I remember. I was like, do you remember the Batman? And she's like, yeah, what happened? I was like, Batman flew across the room and he landed on top of me. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, this is what happened. And she was like, okay, well, I, I did notice some weird stuff going on in the house. I was like, okay, what, like what? She's like, well, when we first moved in there, your brothers were infants. And they had the cribs. My brothers are twins. And they had the two cribs facing each other side by side, like against the wall. And it was under the window. She said one night she was coming in because she heard on the baby monitor, my brother's crying. One of my brothers crying. She gets in there. My brother, Michael, is laughing. My brother, Chris, is crying. And when she looks up at the window, so she just saw these two red eyes just looking into the through the window so she told me i was like i was like man i was like you know what i have this memory of seeing this man who would sit at the end of the table and she's like oh yeah like can you describe him and i was like yeah he was he seemed tall especially with the distance that was between us he was wearing slacks a button-down shirt and he was you know like i said three-quarter turn facing down the hall just watching us as we sleep and I was like, you know what, I, I just, I have this memory of this dream that I had with that house. And she's like, what's the dream? So I go, I remember, I knew about the man, this had been going on for months, but one day the man stood up from the table, the dining room table, and he started walking down the hall towards our bedroom. And I remember like watching him and he got about halfway between the Florida room and the bedroom. And I pretty much, I remember jumping off the bunk bed. And going into the room, waking you up and saying that there's a man coming to the room. And she's like, okay, like what else about happened in the dream? And I was like, you know, I remember jumping over you, getting into bed between you and dad. And you told me you're just dreaming. Close your eyes. You're just dreaming. And when I went to get under the covers, I looked back. There was four people standing at the front of the bed. So I'm telling her this story. She just has this grin on her face. And I'm like, what? Like, what are you smiling about? Like, that dream terrified me. She's like, yeah, that was not a dream. She's like, that was two of your grandfather's brothers, one that died in Cuba and one that died living when he was living in Tampa. And then the other was another man and another woman 
that was my aunt and uncle. So basically, like if they were just coming in to check up on us, I was like, well, I wish they would have just said, hey, this is who we are, because I was terrified the entire, you know, for a better part of my life being in that house. We kept talking about it and like, you know, just weird stuff. We would hear noises. We would hear talk. I'd be sitting down playing Nintendo and I think I would hear my mom and I'd go out the door and I was like, yeah. And she'd like be in the room behind me. She's like, what? I didn't say anything. So be hearing stuff like that constantly. So we keep talking about it. And I was like, I'm kind of glad that we got out of there. I don't know. I hope that the people that moved in after us weren't getting any of that weird stuff. So again, she has this grin on her face. I was like, what? (laughs) She says that she got a phone call from the new owner of the house about three months after they buy the house. The lady calls her. She's like, hey, uh, my mom's like, oh, how's the house? She's like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Uh, Can I ask you a question? Did any weird stuff go on in this house? I'm just like, weird how? And she's like, you know, any, any ghosts? Are there any ghosts in this house? And my mom's like, well, why do you ask? And she's like, well, my son has the very front bedroom when you walk into the house on the left, which was my old bedroom. And she's like, okay. She's like, well, the other night I walk in because he's screaming. And when I walk into the floor, into the bedroom, the toy chest at the foot of his bed had flipped over and the toys, little trucks were going back and forth on their own. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I have I have crazy goosebumps right now just like <laughs> rethinking about this story. I was like, are you freaking kidding? She's like, yeah, uh, the house is up for sale. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah they, they lived there for, I want to say, about six months after they, they listed the house, tried to sell it. And we don't know about anybody else after that. I've driven by the house several times. After my parents split up, my dad was living still in that area. So every, I was living at his house at a point. And I would drive by every once in a while just to look at it. I always wanted to not like to go back in there and just have a look around and, and see what's up. So, yeah, that's that's that house. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my parents split up when I was, uh, I want to say like eight. We've lived in a lot of different houses while I was growing up. And something always seemed to be following us in every house that we've had. Didn't matter whether it was my mom's house or my dad's house. I always thought it was my mom had stuff because my mom collects antiques. So she would have antiques and I always thought, okay, maybe there's something attached to an object. But my dad, I was like, you know, I I just, I, I just don't can't figure it out. So I'm in high school. I think it's my freshman year of high school. Did you just hear that? I think I, I might have heard it like a... Okay. I I get EVPs on my headphones all the times without doing anything. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we'll have to go and see if that's on the recording. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we move into we move into another house in the same area. The area was called, it's called Palm Springs North. It's just outside of Miami Lakes. And this had been like my dad's like dream area to move. There was three lakes that were connected. You could have boats and jet skis. So we had all toys and all that. But when we moved in there, weird stuff started happening. So at this point, my stepmother at the time, she had three kids. And in that house, when you walked into the house to the right, there were two bedrooms. So their daughter had one room and then her two sons shared a room. 
And my brothers and I shared one room there because it was a it was the old master bedroom. So it was the biggest room in the house. And then my dad had the addition that was made, which was the new master bedroom with bath and all that. So one night, same deal. My brothers were older now. My brothers had the bottom bunk, but there was like a trundle that you pulled out from the bottom. So it was like a, another full bed. I'm climbing up. I go to get on the top bunk, get it in my sheets. And I look by the door and I just see a little girl standing there. She wasn't doing anything, didn't say anything. She just stood there looking at me. And I just, I remember like, I didn't blink. I just wanted to make sure I was laser focused on her. And then like the second, like I turned my head for something like to readjust, she was gone. So I was like, wonderful, here we go. Like another, something else in the house. This went on, I saw her maybe, I want to say two or three times over the next couple months. It wasn't as often as the first house. By that point, I mean, we were a little older. We had, we didn't think about that. I was in high school. I was worried about football and partying and, you know, all the things high school kids do. So I remember I'm taking a shower because that room had its own, it was the old master bedroom. So it had its own bathroom in it. I'm taking a shower and I'm just start hearing full on conversation a man and a woman, and I would stop the water and it would stop. And then I would turn the water back on and then it's like full on conversation all over again. It became kind of like a game I would play with myself at that point. It was like, let me turn it on. Let's see if I catch them. Keep talking. Nope. Okay. Water back on and, and keep doing that. We were there for maybe about a year. My dad split up with his ex. My brothers end up taking the other two rooms at the front of the house. So I kept this room as myself since I was the oldest. And I never saw the little girl, but I always felt really, really weird in that house. One night, I'm in my room. I don't remember what I was doing, maybe playing like some video games or something at that point. And I just start hearing just some banging bah, 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 on my bedroom door. And I get up and I thought it was my dad like pissed off at something. I thought I had like screwed up royally doing something. So I go to open the door and there's nobody there. And I go and I look around the hall to my left, nobody there. I look to my right and to the right, the hallway ended and it was the living room. And then you had like a bar area and then it was the kitchen. When I looked to my right, I saw a man walking into the kitchen. So in my head, I'm like, oh, dad's pissed about something. I go and I walk over and I'm like, hey, what the hell? There's nobody in the kitchen. I was like, oh, okay. So that's weird. So I told my dad, I go, hey, something like really weird happened. And he's like, what? And I, you know, I told him about that. And he's like, he's like, oh, that's all in your head. Like, there's nothing wrong, this and that. It's like, okay. So I ended up seeing the man behind the bar a few times over the next few months. And I was telling him, I'm like, hey, I'm hearing talking in my room while nobody's home or you guys are asleep. I'm seeing this man in the house. He goes, listen, there's nothing here. You need to stop. And I was like, I was like, dad, okay, you know, no problem. Keep on going. A couple months later, he comes and he, he's like, hey, I need to talk to you. I was like, yeah, what's up? He's like, so I was in my room and I go to my closet to go get some clothes. I was going ahead a walk-in closet. He says, and when he turns the corner to walk into it, he sees a man 
just standing there. They like lock eyes and the guy like vanishes. Hmm. And I was like, I fucking told you. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I've been telling yeah. you, man. <laughs> I was like, he's like, yeah. He's like, but you know what? He's like, I called a, a friend of mine. He's a priest or he's whatever. And he came in, he's blessing the house. He's like, well, he got rid of the man. I go, okay, that's great. So what about the little girl? He's like, what little girl? <laughs> you told me not to talk about it. <laughs> I was like, hey, you told, you told me to shut up. Like, this is not real. So I, I stay quiet. <laughs> I had been seeing her for a bit. And, and hey, okay, you're there. I'm here. Cool. We're going to, you stand in that corner. Great. <laughs> no problem. I ended up leaving a couple years after high school. I, I went up to, to Gainesville to go to school. I finished my time up there. I moved back down and I take back over my old room. And within a week of me being in the room, I had just set everything up. At this point, I had got a dog in college because everybody gets a dog when they're away in college. And I remember my brother was like, hey, can I sleep with your dog tonight? I was like, yeah, of course. So he goes to my brother's room. I go to my room, watching some TV for a while. And I had like the light switch didn't work. So I had to like manually pull the string down on the fan. So I shut off the TV. I click down my light of the fan and I go and I get to bed. And as soon as I lay my head down in the corner of my room, I had my guitar and all six strings. Bring, 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 just all strum. My eyes just shoot open and I didn't move. I just shot open. I'm looking at my guitar. I must have been there for about 10 seconds. And then I just, I shot up and I clicked on the light and I just sat at the edge of my bed and I just stared at my guitar. And I was like, nope, okay. Uh, I guess I'm going to sleep with my dog tonight. <laughs> so I went back to my room. I grabbed my brother. I, I go, hey, I'm sorry. And he's like, what's wrong? Like, what happened? And I, so I tell him what happened. He's like, no, man, don't tell me any of this stuff. I thought we left that stuff all behind us. I thought we were done with all this stuff. <laughs> so that was around the same time was when all the shows started. Ghost Hunters and all those old school shows. But I mean, growing up, we were, despite living in a house that had all this weird stuff. I mean, we always loved it. Like we grew up on sightings. And the outer limits and all the all of those like shows that showed all like the weird stuff. So we decided there was an event down south in Cutler Bay at the Deering Estate. And the Deering Estate is the oldest home in Cutler Bay. Charles Deering built it, the main house, which was the stone house, and then next to it was the Richmond Cottage, which was probably about the same house as the Stone House beautiful homes. They were having a ghost hunt that night, like one night there. And I was like, I asked my brothers, I was like, Hey, you guys, you guys want to go for a ghost hunt? They're like, yeah, like we were all into the shows. So that was our first time like going out and like actually doing ghost hunting. And the team that was running it, like they were, they were doing their thing, but they seemed like kind of bored with it. And they were like, yeah, just go do whatever you like. So we just started setting some like experiments up in the house. So we had on the second floor of the Richmond Cottage, there's like these screens on the inside of the house that block the windows so people can't touch the windows. But even with the screens on there, they'll find handprints of like children. So we decided, okay, let's try to do some communication with the kids. I had my little recorder and we do an EVP and I get giggling on it. 
I wish I still had that recorder. So get some giggling. It's like, okay, like it sounds like they're here. We asked a few more questions, didn't get anything. And it's like, okay, let's try something. I had a can of Coke and I set it on those wood floors. I set it down. We stomp around it, make sure it's not going to roll. So we sit down. It was me, my two brothers, and my friend Vanessa. We're sitting around it, and it's like, hey, we came here to talk to you. We don't mean you any harm. We just wanted to talk to you, want to play with you. Can you roll this can for us? And as soon as we like say it, the can just starts wiggling, slight back and forth. And we're like, okay, well, if that's you, can you roll it further? Nothing else, just it just would keep wiggling. So we were there for like five, 10 minutes. And we're like, okay, so we're just going to leave this here for you. If you want to move it around, go ahead. That's for you. So we walk into another room where they're doing another like EVP session. We're all sitting around and one of the other investigators comes into the room. And they're like, hey, who left that can of Coke out in the hallway? And I was like, oh, great. They're going to kick me out because I just left trash around. I was like, yeah, I, I did that. They're like, did you leave it there on purpose? I go, yeah, we were playing with the little boy and it was like fidgeting. He's like, well, I was walking up the stairs and that thing took off down the hallway, went down maybe about eight feet into a whole nother room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was like, okay, like, this is cool. I like this stuff. So at that point, my brothers and I were like, we'd find any, any chance that we could do like to investigate. And we're like, you know, what's always haunted? And we're like, what? Mom's house. I'm like, okay, cool. So let's, let's do mom's house. So my mom at the time lived up in Jupiter, Florida, which is not far from where I'm at right now. She had a little two-story townhouse and we went up there for Thanksgiving and we're like setting it up. It's like, okay, so what we're going to do is while they're downstairs cooking and doing all their thing, we'll investigate upstairs. When everybody goes to sleep, we'll start investigating downstairs. It's like perfect. We had it all set up. There was a door, so we were able to block the noise coming from downstairs and start doing some recordings. <laughs> and one of the questions that we ask is, do you know you're dead? And the response we get sounded like an old man going, sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 And? yeah. It's like, oh, oh, okay. So, all right. So, we, we keep going, doing it in my mom's room, nothing there. So, my grandmother, my mom's mom, she would spend like time between her and my mom's other siblings' houses. So, she had her room. We went in there and she was another like antique collector. So, she had like this huge Victorian armoire that was beautiful, but it was like 700 pounds. This thing was a monster. So we're sitting in there and we're doing EVPs and we get a woman's voice and we're like, okay, so if that's you, can you move something in here? The armoire door just starts, you just hear that creak and then close. And then nothing else again for like the rest of the night that we were upstairs. We go and we do Thanksgiving dinner. Everybody goes to sleep. And I was like, okay, you guys ready? Let's do it. So we're sitting in the living room and it's like, if you're here, I give you permission to touch anything in here. 
and we were getting impatient. We weren't getting any EVPs. We were getting it's like, oh, is this only upstairs? And I was like, no, they're ghosts. They can go wherever the hell they want. <laughs> so I'm like, if you're really here, I want you to touch me. We just keep going. We're goofing off. And then within like two, three minutes, I feel a hand. I, I could feel individual fingers on my arm. Just lay its hand on me. And I just like stood there frozen. They're like, what's wrong? I go, it's touching me. It's literally, I'm feeling fingers. It feels tingly. It feels cold. And they're like, do you want it to stop? I was like, I don't know. I don't know what to do here. Like, <laughs> And then I was like, okay, thank you very much. And as soon as I say, thank you very much, I just feel it let go. And that was the rest of the night there in that house. Whoa. So, yeah. <laughs> like I said, in every house that we've ever had, we had a, my mom after she left that townhouse she bought a house out in it's in west palm beach out west and an area is called the acreage that's like horse country a bunch of their beautiful house it was on like, like an acre and a half it wasn't too old but like you could just feel walking into that place that like it was just something off about that house i lived there for for a short time the house was a split floor plan hardwood floors my room and the office was on one side of the house, my mom's room was on the other side, and then it was completely open in the middle. So we'd be in the living room watching TV, and then out of nowhere, you would just hear walking on the hardwood floors, coming from the bedroom, down the hall, around the couch, behind us, into my mom's room. Stop for about 10, 15 minutes, start walking out from my mom's room, behind the couch, up the hall, into our bedrooms. This was like damn near every night. It got to a point where it's just like, oh my God, like can we just watch this movie in peace? Like, come on, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, leave us alone. Later on, I was living in Miami. Things were not going so well for me down there. And I decided I needed a change of pace. So I moved up to my mom's house to just get on my feet. About a month after moving in there, I meet my wife, I meet Katie. So she starts coming over and staying over. And I was like, hey, listen, I was like, I don't want to freak you out. But the house is haunted. She's like, yeah, right. Like, yeah, shut up. You're full of shit. I was like, no, no, no. Like, this house is haunted. Like, this is what's up. Like, we've had this in every house, something going on. Not sure what it is, not sure who it is, but nothing malicious. I think she heard the footsteps a couple times and was like, well, maybe that's like somebody just walking up the hall or something. And they point, your mom may be coming in to see if we need something, whatever. So she wrote it off. One day, my brother had come up and Katie's best friend, Kat, was her roommate at the time. She comes in and we had the pool. We jumped in the pool at the house, had a good time and said, you know, why don't you guys just sleep over instead of driving home? We've been drinking, hang out. So I go to my room with Katie. My brother goes to his room at the time. He had just moved in there. And then Kat sleeps on the couch. We were like joking before going to bed. It's like, don't let the ghost get you. So we go to sleep, wake up the next morning, and we walk out of the hallway. She's like just up and like ready. She's like, can we get the fuck out of here? <laughs> and it's like, what happened? She's like, well, your goddamn ghost kept walking all night up and down the hall. I'm trying to sleep. I have these covers on me. I'm laying on the couch. I was facing the inside so I could see the cushion in front of my face and not look out. And the covers just started sliding off of me. Like if it was like pulling the, the covers like off of her. 
Oh, no. Uh, yeah, that was the last time Cat ever stayed in the house. Like, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. And yet, it, at the same time, Cat was so frightened, and you just lived there, and it was fine. At that point, it had been going on my entire life. I was used to it. I don't think that we had one house that did not have something weird going on. You're a child in a situation where you're in constant haunted environments, and your mom is kind of discouraging you from admitting it or talking about it your dad has discouraged you from talking about it does it at one point go from scary to just frustrating and annoying i think it stays scary but yes definitely frustrating and annoying especially when i was really young and that first thing happened in that room like i was like six seven years old how can i describe it how do i tell that to my parents i was like batman came flying at me and they're like what did you do it's like batman came flying at me (laughs) (laughs) it never became less frightening no matter how used to it you became right i lived in fear i i lived in fear my entire life with it thankfully now no matter the fear that i've had i've always been intrigued by it like it's always been something still like i know there's something there I need to find it. I don't care if it terrifies me. I need to look for it. And now being with War Party and doing everything we do, I mean, we investigate every week. I don't know a lot of teams that investigate as much as we do. You have so many stories. I think we could probably talk to you for hours. (laughs) Joe, thank you so much for spending so much time with us this evening and telling us so many wonderful stories. You did a fabulous job telling them. And They were terrifying, which is what we love. (laughs) For those of you listening right now, please be sure you check out Joe's page at Joe Hunts Ghosts on Instagram. You can also find War Party Paranormal at War Party Paranormal on Instagram. And can you tell us the addresses on Facebook and YouTube where people can find out more? If you just search on YouTube and Facebook, both at Joe Hunts Ghosts, you should be able to find my page. Same thing with War Party Paranormal on Facebook. We will have links to all of that in our show notes, which you can find at homespunhaints.com. Also, while you're at it, please be sure you follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and Facebook at Homespun Haints. And you can also find us on YouTube, youtube.com slash homespunhaints. And if you like what we're doing on the show, please consider supporting us on our Patreon. Our Patreon is located at patreon.com slash homespunhaints. I'm getting it's TikTok. Oh, yes, we're also on TikTok. I always forget that <laughs> because it's TikTok. <laughs> but we are on there and we have fun. <laughs> Joe, thanks again. Thank you so much. And listeners, have a very spooky day. Homespun Haints is hosted by Becky Kielimnik and Diana Doty and produced by Homespun Haints Media LLC. Editing and music by Becky Kielimnik. Show notes by Diana Doty. If you have a ghost story and you'd like to be considered as a guest for this podcast, please visit our website at homespunhaints.com slash submit. <laughs>